Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. this edition i guess we could sort of call it on the beat uh not live still hadn't gotten back to live since gregory hall left us to pursue uh the los angeles angels but i will bring in beat writer greg barnes and i've also got the man himself mr buck sanders what's going on buck same old thing tommy just another day in the uh topsy-turvy world of college football it is funny and greg i'll get your take right out of the gate we Buck and I were talking off air about how um, you can plan, but news is, is changing really by the moment, it seems like, these days with college football. I mean, it's it's the middle of July, or it's July. It's not supposed to be anything going on except some workouts and all that. And here these conference bombshells are landing everywhere around us. Greg, your take on um, – First of all, USC and Southern Cal or Southern Cal and UCLA going to the Big Ten and, and just how maybe those are the first dominoes of something that really could impact things in the next days, weeks, months. Well, let's start here. Um, if you go back a year to when the news broke regarding Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, um, I, I think around the the ACC, especially around UNC and the decision makers in Chapel Hill, uh, that move was very much you know, a little bit uh, eye-opening, but more so in in the form of, wow, like this kind of speaks to you know, the, the changing dynamics of the landscape with regards to TV revenue, and yeah, that's going to impact things moving forward. And it's something we've got to keep an eye on. To now. Last week's news about USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, uh, it's a different scenario around UNC. And I, it's very much of, okay, we need to make sure we have our, our ducks in a row. We need to make sure that we've looked at every single option to figure out what is the best for UNC moving forward. Um, and I think that's, that's a big change. Um, and to your point about, you know, is this kind of a, a, a domino, right? I really think this is this is a two-part scenario. Um, the and, and the first being that first the SEC and the Big Ten have decided that they're going to be uh, the the main drivers of this, and what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to consolidate power amongst the you know, two big conferences, make sure that they poach the best teams they can from the other conferences. The ACC, of course, is in this unique scenario where they've got the grant of rights, and we can dive into that. But that's kind of slowed the ACC from being plucked, if you will. But all this kind of sets up for the next step. 
Uh, and we, we already know now that the PAC 12 is uh, starting their process of, of uh, negotiating for the next TV rights deal. I believe theirs is in 2024. As you get into 25 and 26, you get into some of the other conferences, you get into Notre Dame, which is a big one, of course. Um, and just in talking with people, you around the athletic department and around the ACC as a whole, and I think even nationwide, um, the thought is that as we get towards some of these big uh, TV deals changing, that's when the whole conversation of does the Power Five, now that they have autonomy, do they really need the NCAA? And conversely, does the NCAA really need football? Because all of the NCAA's money is tied up with the basketball tournament. They're not getting much money at all. They're getting a lot of headache with football. Um, so is the Big Ten and the SEC consolidating power to get to a position that when everything blows up in a couple of years, which is what I think is going to happen, and the Power Five effectively breaks free from the NCAA, uh, is the SEC and the Big Ten going to be in the catbird seat of saying, okay, we've got the, the primary programs that we want. This is who we think is going to be the top-notch teams. Now we can pick amongst the rest and make sure that we have the teams that we want to have in this major power conference deal. Um, so, yes, I, I do think it's a domino thing, Tommy, and I, I think this is the first part of it, but I think this is going to take several years to play out. Buck Sanders, I'm going to get you in here now, but I'm going I'm to read something that you wrote on Monday, on July 4th. Uh, it's not the time to take a wait-and-see approach. It's I'm not it, basically not advocating panic, but if you're about to get run over by a train, uh, getting out of way is not panicking. It's called self-preservation. But I think the Oklahoma-Texas deal was like, okay, you know, they're, they're kind of in the southeast. You could make the argument it's still a conference. Um, but when USC and UCLA go, I mean, it's just a free-for-all. And, and hence your article I'm talking about it's time for Carolina to to look out for number one. Talk about if your thoughts have changed since you wrote the column, because I 100% agree with you, but I also believe Carolina is really is a crown jewel in all of this. Um, is that realistic to think that way in your opinion? Well, you, you asked me like three different questions there. Uh, that's I'll what I always the, do. That, that's I'll not start, many. I'll, <laughs> I'll start with the one I heard last, maybe. Um does uh, North Carolina uh, deserve to be in the discussion uh, as a crown jewel uh, in this dis discussion? Um, first and foremost, I think everybody would agree, um, deserved or not, Notre Dame is going to be the, the prime target of both the SEC and the Big Ten. They appear to be a much better fit for the Big Ten, but um, the, the idea is that whoever wants to expand next um, and can put together an attractive enough deal and talk Notre Dame into it, uh, Notre Dame would be the school they would go after. After that, you could there's, it's debatable, but a lot of people think North Carolina may be number two. In, in terms of uh, the most attractive school to add. Um, and, and if you think about it, in some ways, it's um, similar in that Notre Dame is a national brand. 
There's no question about that. They recruit football team wise. Uh, they recruit nationally. They've, uh, I think, on their 2021 roster, they had kids on there from 28 states and two different foreign countries, uh, and they recruit coast to coast in in the in the uh, U.S. So they're a national brand. But if conversely, if you look at the other potential targets out there, who else is a national brand? Arguably UNC has that in common with um, Notre Dame because as a brand, and, and you know, you could refer to these um, two universities in some ways as Instagram influencers of the you know football world in, in the sense that um, they're they're famous for being famous uh, for and, and so they haven't really achieved a great deal. Notre Dame hadn't won a national title since 1988. North Carolina's never won one. Um, but in other sports, North Carolina does have a brand consistently in the top 10 or better of the director's cup basketball obviously speaks for itself um as uh, one of the things that's made north carolina probably possibly the thing that's made north carolina national brand is a michael jordan association there all of that has lends an, an aura to north carolina that makes it a national brand both are great um academic institutions um both are uh, AAU schools, um, large enrollments. Um, they share many of the same characteristics. And if you, you look elsewhere, uh, you don't see other schools that share so many of the same components as Notre Dame and North Carolina do. So arguably, you would say North Carolina would be one of the crown jewels um, in any realignment discussions. Um, but as you alluded to earlier, or Greg, one of you, I can't remember which, said that the grant of rights is a thing. So that has to be gotten around. And, and when in my column, I was saying, yeah, North Carolina needs to be proactive. They don't need to try to be the, the school that kept the ACC together or try to be. Um, they need to look after their own interests, and they need to be moving quickly and quietly trying to figure out, and that includes figuring out a way around the grant rights. I mean, that's got to be done somehow, some way. It takes eight schools to vote to uh, essentially dissolve the ACC, which would do away with the grant rights. But that would mean eight different schools would have to find a landing spot somewhere. Uh, so there's legalities to be taken care of. There's, um, you know, debates internally externally do you go sec or big 10 uh, if you get an offer from one of the school both schools at the same time which one do you take um so there, there's a lot at work there but essentially the point of my column was north carolina needs to be doing everything they possibly can do and in, including looking hard at the grant of rights seeing if there's a legal way around it or if there's um ways to get around it by forming common calls with other ACC schools. So, but what they don't need to be doing is sitting on their hands and just watching the world go by and hoping it turns out. Okay. 
Greg, that is that point there is what I think most people worry about, especially on the Inside Carolina message boards. Tar Pit Premium message board has been ablaze with with comments, and, and I mean Buck's column. Buck, uh, you've written a lot of great ones over the course of the years, but I don't think I've seen one that has, you know, the amount of discussion that has gone on with yours from the fourth, Greg. Is there any chance that the powers that be in North Carolina are doing what Buck just described that they can't do? I mean, they cannot, there's, there's no possible way that they're sitting back going, it, it, we'll figure it out or it'll settle eventually, is there? No, and I understand why people think that just because of what North Carolina has dealt with in the past. Uh, that's no longer the case. I mean, um, we can't share all the details of what we know about what transpired with the NCAA investigation, but with how Bubba Cunningham and his staff handled that, uh, I mean, Bubba is the right guy for the job and, uh, he is, uh, forward thinking. He's always considering all these options and he's surrounded by a lot of very intelligent people, uh, making decisions for UNC, both in terms of you know, the Rams club boosters, as well as, people in his department. Um, this, this is a different game than, than what we would have talked about 10 years ago before Bubba arrived. Um, so I think fans should be comfortable with that. The, the challenge is this, Tommy. I think all of us know um, that couple, right, that has been together for like five or six years. They're good together. They're not great together. Nobody really thinks they're going to get married. Uh, but what happens is they just kind of stick together. Why? Because they've invested a lot of time with one another and it's understandable. Um, and there, there's a cognitive bias that addresses this It's called the sunk cost fallacy. And basically all it is, is that it is where we, we focus our energy on past investments instead of focusing on the present time period and or future costs and benefits. Um, North Carolina has been in the ACC for going on 70 years since you know, May of 1953. A lot of good memories. All of us grew up in this period of the ACC. Uh, but there is no doubt that right now the SEC and the Big Ten has been ahead of the game. Um, and so if you want to cast some blame and showcase some concern about uh, how things are moving, it's not at the UNC level, it's at the ACC level. And one thing that, that I really like, you know, I, I've always thought, not always, but I've thought for the last couple of years that the Big 12 was just waiting to die. And what they do, <laughs> I'm not saying this is going to work, but it's forward thinking. They went and hired Brett uh, Yormark, I believe is how you say his name, as their commissioner after Bowlesby. Uh, he was the uh, COO for Rock Nation, which is, jay-z's entertainment agency and he'd worked with nascar and the uh brooklyn nets in the nba so they brought in somebody who had all these crazy visions and bright ideas about what to do the guy hadn't even started his job yet officially and he's already reached out to apparently according to various reports six pac-12 teams including colorado who left the big 10 or big 12 back in 2010 so he's trying to be proactive. Um, you know, and Jim Phillips 
is the guy that was at Northern Illinois for a while. And then he was, you know, the uh, AD at Northwestern for, for 13 years, I believe. And he very much is in the John Swafford mold of working behind the scenes, kind of a quiet guy. Uh, people around the ACC like him and think he's a, a good option for them moving forward. But it's just kind of a different mindset. And so I think if there's any concern, it's, it's how does the ACC proceed? Because in talking with people the last couple of years, everybody's in agreement that the only way that the ACC can close the revenue gap with the Big Ten and the, the SEC is to convince Notre Dame to join. And that's one of the reasons that the ACC kind of pushed back about expanding the college football playoff. Because if the CFP expands to eight and especially to 12 teams, Notre Dame's in every year as long as they have a decent season. And at that point, why would Notre Dame join? But getting West Virginia is not going to move the needle financially. Um, and so I think it's a situation where the ACC, because of the GOR, uh, that buys them some time. And I think there's some hope that if they can just get to those TV deals in 25 and 26, that maybe they can swing things to, to work in their favor. Uh, but while that's going on, I think UNC is well aware of what's happening uh, and they're making contingency plans. And as Buck said, you know, North Carolina, uh, I don't know, is it the ninth or 10th most populous state in the U S now? It's, it's the biggest uh, it's ninth, but I've heard other people say 10. Okay. Uh, so, when I look, it's nine. So top 10. Um, and it's the biggest state, not currently in the sec or big 10. And so for, Add that to the reasons that Buck has already laid out. UNC is attractive. Um, and so I think, I think UNC has to be doing what's best for UNC. Acknowledge that it's had a great pass with the ACC, but that the future may not include the ACC. And uh, we can dive into this some more. I'm not going to get too long-winded here. But if, if you agree to move past the ACC, well, what does that mean for the Duke basketball robbery? because Duke's probably not going to follow. And what does that mean about NC State? And because there's so many pro-NC State people uh, you know, in the legislature and on the Board of Governors, is that going to be an issue? You know, are they going to allow Carolina to leave without dragging NC State along with them? So those are some of the things that are going to have to be worked through. But I think the people at UNC understand what's happening and they're doing their best to prepare for, for all opportunities. I think those – Buck, does the legislature matter? I mean, I, I hear that, no, they can't do anything about it. Yes, they control everything. Um, your take on that aspect of it, because if it, it – either state or Duke's going to be an anchor here for Carolina, I think, if the state legislature has something to say or has any say in it. What's your take? Well, you know, if people will be rational, which we cannot count on, in fact, we can probably count on the opposite. <laughs> we're, we're in a different era, right? I mean, this is not your old 10 year ago, 20 year ago argument uh, that crops up occasionally on the tarpit premium message board. North Carolina should leave for the SEC. North Carolina should leave for the Big Ten. It's not the same set of 
actors and influences and pressures this time around. Uh, it, it would not just be a situation where North Carolina decides willy-nilly, oh, well, we like the SEC. It's a little bit more attractive for us or the Big Ten, whichever it is. The situation is, and here's one scenario that illustrates this point, popped up, on, I forget on which website. Who, who does Matt Fortuna write for, Greg? Whoever he writes for. Um, he's written for everybody, so I'm not exactly sure who he's with right now. <laughs> Where is that right now? But anyway, this uh, kind of came from Matt Fortuna and some other national writer. And, and they proposed this scenario or what-if scenario. Um, let's say the SEC wants North Carolina so bad. They're put together a package that includes North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, and Florida State. And they put together this package and lay it out for these four schools. We want to take all four of you, yay or nay, in or out. Under, you know, I mean, again, people's ability to reason, you know, is, varies greatly, you know, uh, especially politically. But in what universe would you say to, to that proposal, UNC goes to whoever they need to go to, governors, trustees, grand poobahs, whoever, and says, hey, we've got this offer for Clemson, Florida State, Virginia, and North Carolina to go to the SEC, and they're going to pay us X and blah, 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 blah. Who in their right mind is going to say, okay, but you got to bring NC State with you. It, that's not how the world works. You know, they're not making that offer for North Carolina to counter with, oh, we'll come if you bring NC State. No, they're saying we're going to bring these four teams, you're one of them, in or out. And, and you can concoct the scenario where North Carolina gets a deal like this or another type deal from the SEC or the Big Ten. And the legislature somehow um, can't get their mind around the idea that these times are different. This is a different kind of situation. Um, and they say, oh, well, we want you to pray, take NC State with you. It's preposterous. I mean, it boggles the mind. Could it happen? I'm, I'm not putting anything past anybody. But um, – it, it, North Carolina's argument is and should be in these times, under these circumstances, it's up to every university to find a place to go in the next decade or two on their own merits. And if you insist upon uh, providing us with an anchor, then you're going to end up living in a state that has no college sports programs playing at the highest level of college sports. Basically, North Carolina consists of Elon and Elon-like universities across the state. That'll be it. If you want a state like that, you know, that's your call. But that's what you're going to wind up with if you start blocking, um, you know, other schools from making a getting a seat for themselves before the music stops so so greg 
and I don't know if we know the answer to this, and I don't know if I understand it either way, but could could a move like that be blocked? Let's take grant of rights out of it. We'll deal with that later. Um, that's an issue. But could the state legislature or the board of governors or whoever block such a move if Carolina, um, all the powers that be at Carolina said, we're going? Yeah. Could it be stopped and why and how? Yes. Uh, I, mean, I think Buck makes a lot of good points, but the, the point of the matter is, is that if UNC decides they want to uh, leave the ACC, then what would have to happen is that Bubba would have to present to the Board of Trustees, which is a UNC-specific group, right? Um, and I, I don't, uh, knowing some of the people on the Board of Trustees, I don't think that would be necessarily an issue. Um, I, I think the Board of Trustees would, would approve that, but then it would have to go to the Board of Governors which oversees the entire university system. Um, and at that point, you know, the, that's where you get into the politics of it is, yes, UNC leaving would be beneficial, but at the same time, how does that hurt the other teams, other programs within the university system, if it does? Um, and that's where the conversation would take place. And inevitably, you're going to have people from, uh, schools that don't like Carolina and don't want to see Carolina have success. That's just part of the game. Now, is that enough? You know, is somebody willing to uh, submarine Carolina just out of spite or out of you know, trying to make sure that their, their favorite team stays afloat? Maybe. You would hope not. You would hope they would you know, see the forest for the trees kind of deal. Uh, but, yeah, it could happen. I don't know that it would, but it certainly could happen. That's an interesting take. Let me ask the, the question. Well, let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt briefly. We're about halfway through this one. Uh, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com sponsors of Inside Carolina, great friends of Inside Carolina, great friends of all of us. The folks over there are just wonderful on, alumni-owned and operated. Uh, they'll do anything for you, and they also will sell you some great gear. And if you're a premium subscriber here, which if you're not, you need to be because Buck's column on the 4th was free to all. Uh, that was a freebie. If you want to read Buck every uh, every other day during the week, three times a week, you need to be on the Tar Pit Premium message boards. And don't even forget all the recruiting news that you get to be a premium member of Inside Carolina. But you also get 10% off at Johnny T-Shirt, and you get some fabulous gear uh, that sports all the programs at, at UNC. They don't just do football and basketball. They do everything. You literally can get a shirt or some swag for every sport that Carolina fields at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Let the national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back. Special Inside Carolina podcast. Buck, Greg, and Tommy. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, we're back. InsideCarolina.com podcast and, of course, Johnny T-shirt. Buck. Why is academics, why, why are academics, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Why are academics so important to some people when they're talking about sports conferences? Can you explain that one to me in a, in a coherent manner? Um, because that's all we hear. You know, we hear, well, the Big Ten's more suited for Carolina's academic blah, blah, blah. And the SEC is a bunch of losers and, you know, Poor students. Why is that debate even a thing in all of this? I think it's a thing because um, even the the most diehard bomb throwing radical among college football fans want to argue that it's still about education. It's still about academia, and don't want to give up on the idea that. Um, getting an education should be a valued part of the college football experience, college sports experience uh, across the board. And so, and, and for some conferences, for example, the big 10, it's a thing. Every single one of those universities in the big 10, I believe I'm correct in saying this is in the AAU. Um, which is an organization of uh, schools uh, that meet the criteria established as a full research university. Um, all those schools are well thought of in terms of their academic standing. Um, and, and so the Big Ten to this day has not, taken anybody new uh, that not an AAU member, Southern Cal and UCLA, both uh, AAU members. I want to say I can look. I'm looking at the list here. What you want to know? Well, uh, (laughs) how many are there in the ACC? So in the ACC, I believe there's five. There's uh, University of North Carolina. There's Pittsburgh, which some people may not know. Uh, Virginia, Georgia Virginia, Tech, and Duke. Duke, correct. Yeah. And um, like North Carolina, it, in terms of uh, their academic standing, you know, some people – like the site us news and world report standings other people's are not crazy about them but it, as far as that ranking goes uh 
Virginia is number four amongst uh, public schools and number 25 overall. North Carolina is number five in public schools and number 28 overall. Um, you know, and, and seriously, North Carolina, I mean, I'm sorry, the ACC has something to brag about uh, in terms of academics for the most part. I was shocked at this, that Florida State is number 19 among public schools and number 55 overall. And, and Greg may be able to speak to this better than I can, but I don't believe they had that same sort of standing when they joined the ACC. I think they've increased their uh, academic standing uh, since joining the league. Uh, Virginia Tech's number 30 among public schools. Uh, NC State's number 32. Clemson's number tied with uh, Virginia Tech at number 30. Um, and then the private schools, you know, they don't rank them as a public or private school, but uh, overall nationally, uh, Syracuse, Miami, Boston College, um, Wake Forest, they're all inside like the top 60 nationally. And Louisville, they're, they're the ugly duckling of the ACC. Uh, they're none, number 96 among public schools and number 187 overall. But the rest of the ACC stacks up really well. And, and if you look at, say, for example, again, I speak to Florida State, their ranking is actually much better than, or at least better than some of the Big Ten schools, even though they're all AAU schools. You know, it's, it's one of those things where um, academics do matter because people talk about them and cite them and keep up with the numbers on them. Um, and say North Carolina got an offer to the big 10. Well, if say the legislature or the trustees said, well, you, you have to bring NC state. Well, North Carolina's answer is they won't take NC state because they're not an AAU school. They're not going to, you know, make an exception just because you want us to bring and destroy their entire conference argument about being the most academically sound. Um, so they matter in, in big Ten's case, a great deal. And, uh, believe me, the sec would probably very much, um, appreciate the perk if they invited, uh, UNC and they accepted and Virginia, for example, if they went as a tandem to the, um, uh, uh, SEC and Clemson and Florida State are ranked much higher than most of the SEC. Um, one of the things they would ballyhoo about making that arrangement is how much they've improved their their schools academically. Um, so, you know, it's a uh, it's not the be all and end all. Uh, the, you know, the SEC is not going to add you know Duke University because of their you know uh, academic prowess um but it's a perk if you if it's somebody that they want the fact that they're really good academically is is a something that just adds uh sweetener to the deal yeah, yeah. And, and tommy to, to to build on that a little bit uh i think a lot of people incorrectly look at these things of of athletics and academics as being uh, maybe different categories altogether and maybe even contrasting aspects and it's not true um 
you know, as Dean Smith said a long time ago, athletics are the front porch. Um, and if, if you look at Alabama, I don't have Alabama's numbers in front of me, but really since Nick Saban came back, if you look at Alabama's academic successes, uh, it is tremendously on the rise. The trajectory is pretty much straight up since they started having so much success football-wise and because it brings so much attention. We have a great example, of course, in, in the state of North Carolina with Appalachian State. When App went into the big house in 2007 and upset Michigan, uh, and then, you know, of course, during that same time is when they won three national championships at the FCS level. What happened with that school is phenomenal. Um, between 2007 and, and 2008, ticket sales across all sports, not just football, all sports jumped 26%. Admissions jumped 15% in one year. And since then, since 2008, it's gone up 3% per year. Um, and because of that, I mean, it's, this is, the math is not difficult. When you're adding so many people trying to get into your school, you can be more selective. When you're more selective, academics look a lot better. Um, and you get more people in, you get more alumni base because people actually want to go to the sporting events. All that builds over time. And I think that's one of the cases that, that UNC can make here is because when you start looking at the, the differentials in, in revenue, um, Navigate is a, is a market firm that does a lot of research. They've projected that the ACC in 2029 will be paying out roughly $61 million per program, which is about double what it is right now. So that's a good thing. However, the SEC is supposed to be paying out double that, at like $117 million. Uh, so if you were to make a jump to the SEC, even working through all the GOR stuff, not only are you going to be able to get better facilities and, and you know, better coach salaries and all those things, you can distribute those funds to all of your other sports. And so it really is the, the rising tide lifts all ships, all boats. That's a good example. And so everybody talks about, well, it's the love of the money. Sure, I'm not going to argue with that at all. But this is not just a football thing for North Carolina. This is something that can really benefit the entire athletic department. And when it benefits the athletic department to that level, and it gives you a higher profile as being one of these elite programs at one of these top conferences, that helps academics. We already know North Carolina is one of the top public institutions in the country, as, as Buck laid out. Uh, but this would only help. And so that, that's certainly a part of the equation. And it's not just athletics versus academics. They're intertwined, and they, they really do help one another. It's funny. A uh, lot, lot in there to discuss, and especially some other programs. A friend of mine, I've told this story on the podcast before, a friend of mine's son goes to Alabama. He's a freshman this past year, and they went down there to visit um, this time last year. And he was like, every building on this campus is like brand new or been renovated. And the guy was like, football money, man. The entire campus, like the only thing that Watt and brand new was some, some old, some one of the older female dorms or something. He was like, "Yeah, they hadn't gotten that one yet." But every other building was shine, bright and shiny new. And he said, "It's all about football and all that." To follow up on that, Tommy, uh, Ben and I were in Nashville in February visiting with the folks at Twenty Four Seven Sports, and uh, one of the 
not going to give his name because I, I don't know if he would want me to, but he, one of the biggest names there at uh, 24-7 Sports, his daughter was, was looking for schools to go. And one of the schools that uh, she was very, very interested in was North Carolina. One of the other schools she was very, very interested in was Alabama. And she said the exact same thing that your friend told you is that everything on that campus is shiny as a dime. It's brand new, it manicured, looks like perfection. Um, and, and that's the reason why uh, his daughter was in, real, so interested in Alabama because if if a school is willing to spend that sort of money on facilities, they're willing to spend money on other things too. Uh, their, their standing is today, Alabama is not still great. I mean, they're 67 among uh, public universities and 148 overall. So, but that's probably a hundred or so places more than it was before Saban, uh, took over the, the ship there. So the, uh, Greg is right. They, they have come a long way, but th they've got a way to go. And, and you look at schools like Clemson and uh, Florida state, they're like top 30, you know, uh, schools in the nation. So um, those things matter, you know, to, uh, to conferences. It would matter, especially to in North Carolina's case ma matter to the, SEC because it would, you know, raise their overall ranking and to the big 10, because they fit into the academic climate that a, that the big 10 already has. That's one thing I've never understood is like, if Carolina goes to this conference, is Carolina going to be worse as a school? Yeah, they might, I don't understand the arguments against going one way or the other. Anyway, go ahead, Greg, I cut you off. Well, I've got a question for both of you, but I'll start with you, Tommy. Um, everything that we've talked about thus far primarily is, is kind of based from a football perspective. The ACC has always been known as a basketball conference. All those ties are there. You know, when Maryland left back in 2014, uh, even though you know, they're loving it right now, there was a lot of alums that were like, you know, we had all these great rivalries in the ACC that are no longer in existence. And I think there's still some people who are Maryland alums who have hurt feelings that are a little bit older. Um, so if Carolina is to, is to bolt to the SEC or to the big 10, how does that impact the, the fans from a program from an athletic department that for the longest time has been basketball first even though I think the administration's kind of moved past that. But a lot of the fans have not. So how do you think that factors into all this conversation in terms of UNC getting the necessary support from this fan base? I think, I think the fans, uh, first of all, there's going to be old heads. Like I called myself an old head, and then I got called out when we did the fan podcast by one of our esteemed <laughs> older members. Uh, yeah, I think folks will eventually get over it. I, I think Carolina fans want to see Carolina play Duke, even though I'm of the mindset that what's the point anymore after the final four, <laughs> but that I could understand. be the final game in <laughs> rivalry history, right? <laughs> it was, that was it, you know, uh, but they want to see that that can be arranged. 
Um, all the old rivalries, you know, NC State, you can still play them. Wake Forest, they don't play them as much anymore. I just think once they took Maryland away, I think you just broke that chain, right? Because I thought Maryland was always a thing for me growing up. And, Buck, I know you, you, you as well and, Greg, you as well to a lesser extent. But once you got rid of that, once you quit playing Wake Forest home and home every year, in basketball you sort of ruin those things and so i think if if the basketball firsters if you want to call them that within the carolina fan base want to play duke every year then they could certainly play duke every year in in some sort of you know re revive the old big four tournament or something that'd be a great time to do it actually um, but buck how you feel about that i think people would get over it when they saw all the shiny new nickels floating around campus shiny new basketball arena built with um, a ton of money and all that kind of stuff. I think that uh, to the extent that, again, that people are persuadable. I mean, some people are not going to be persuadable. They're just going to say, this is a bad thing. I hate it. I don't want to hear anything you got to say. But if you look to Greg's numbers, and I can't remember exactly what they were, how long North ACC is going to be earning how much? 70 so million? In 2029, the projection is the ACC will pay out 61 million per program. The and SEC at 117. Yeah. Um, it, it, you should be able to. It should be uh, proof positive if you say, hey, if, if we stay in the ACC for the privilege of playing Duke twice a year and our other ACC people, um, however often we play them, it's going to cost us $50 million a year. <laughs> and, and when it gets time to, in your child's lifetime or sooner than that, to replace uh, Hubert Davis, um, Purdue, or Rutgers, or Mississippi State can come along and throw a much bigger pile of money in front of the guy that you really want to hire. And, and that doesn't just apply to basketball. That applies to football, to women's soccer, to baseball to every other sport at UNC, they're just not going to have the money to be competitive for coaching salaries um, on a national level. When you've got schools like Mississippi State and no, no all Mississippi State alumni don't at me. I mean, I'm sure they're a fine school, but um, if they can put down as much money Put down fifty million dollars a year. They're earning fifty a million more per year. What chance does North Carolina have to compete nationally for um, the kind of coaches that you need to be competitive at the national level? Now, North Carolina's been lucky in a lot of regards there um, with Rory Williams and um, now even for baseball, Scott Forbes. People that have, you know, UNC in their blood, uh, willing to coach here. And Hubert Davis is another example. 
Mac Brown is probably making less than he could make someplace else. Um, but you, that's not sustainable. That's not a sustainable operation you have on your hands right there. When you're getting out earned by $50 million a year. And that should be the, you know, the only argument you have to make. It won't be people will just say, well, I hate, I hate all sports now Bye." you know, but, um, it, it, it's, it's what North Carolina has to do, uh, to, you know, move into this next, um, couple of decades. Uh, I won't be around to see it, but that's what they need to be thinking about right now. Tommy, to, to quote someone, uh, I don't remember exactly where I heard this from the other day, but it's time. <laughs> it's time. It's the esteemed gentleman on at least my left on my screen. I'm not sure where he shows up. Uh, talking about other other sports, and this is another big thing that people are talking about, and, and we'll this will be our last topic. We'll get out of here. Um, Buck, you mentioned have, having money to pay. Was it – who was it, Greg? It was – somebody that got poached by an SEC school on one of the Olympic sports because they could pay him a ton more. And he was a Carolina alum. I want to say it was Thornquist, tennis coach. I could be wrong. Um, and somebody will correct me if I am. But not only do you have to pay the coaches, you got to support the programs. And, Greg, so how does it work or how do you believe it works if Carolina goes to the SEC that doesn't have as many sports as Carolina currently has, or, you know, if the big 10 doesn't have as many sports, I think the big 10 is more on par, um, conference wise, but you know, what happens there, there are, there are plenty of, um, examples of schools that play, you know, one conference in football and the big sports and then their, that are Olympic sports pay play in another conference. Is that something, um, that is going to be a hold up here? the Olympic sports factor, the money's great. Bring in all the money. We get all the money. Where are they going to play? That's what I'm interested in hearing. Cause when you talk about USC and UCLA and the big 10, I mean, I just don't see baseball UCLA's baseball team playing Maryland on a weekend series in college park and then having a Tuesday night game back in LA against, you know, a midweek game. That, that seems a bit much. What's the, what's the deadline for Carolina? baseball game the ACC deadline in like 6 p.m on Sunday they have to be started by just for travel purposes yep. how does that work if you're going across the country if you're going across three time zones um, so yeah that that certainly presents a, a unique challenge and Carolina's you've been in that situation for a long time you know when you've got 28 sports that's a lot more than most other programs I think Stanford's probably the the one glaring one that stands out as having more. I'm sure there's probably another one or two, um, but it it's a challenge. The I, I think the the initial counter is that um, if we just look at the most recent financial data we have, which is from the 2020-21 season, which is impacted by COVID, and so the numbers are skewed a little bit, not as much as you might think. Um, but essentially, football and basketball. Uh, don't quote me on this, but it was, it was about $35 million that they netted in revenue, kind of in profit, if you will. And all of that money went to pay for the other 26 sports. Um, and so that's a heavy burden to put on the football program and the basketball program 
to, to not only be able to pay well enough to maintain coaches and to get the facilities where they need to be. You mentioned the need for a new basketball arena. They're past time. That, that has to be done soon. And they're just in a tough spot because it's difficult to renovate what they have or do you, or do you build off campus and the new, you, the, the new Nike complex that they've talked about, Nike campus. Um, but you're talking about 50 or $60 million extra per year. Well, I mean, if you, if you say, you know what, we're just going to give 20 million of that to the other 26 Olympic sports. Well, now things change dramatically. And so I really think when you look at the number of sports that UNC funds, that's another reason why you have to kind of chase the money. Because it would be easier for one of these teams, one of these programs, athletic departments that don't have as many Olympic sports to worry about, uh, they can get by easier than Carolina does. I mean, Carolina is all, yeah, I don't want to say fudge the numbers, but the way you do the accounting is you make sure that you've got enough to where it looks good when you submit it to the NCAA. Um, and whether that's you know, pulling in funds from the Rams Club, whether that's uh, you know, Robin, Peter to pay, Robin Peter to pay Paul, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's a balancing act. And I do think when you get into the scheduling component, it's going to be a mess. And it just is. But if you've got enough money set aside where you can handle some of that travel cost, uh, it'll still be an inconvenience for the, for the teams. Because you're not going to get over the fact that you're going to have to travel across time zones to play on a Tuesday night. That's not going to change but you can at least make it easier. Maybe that means instead of busing kids, you can at least put them on a plane and bring them back, you know, something like that. So let's get out of here. This has been a fun podcast, but let me ask the $50 million question and Buck, I'll put you on the hot seat first. If you had to pick which conference Carolina ended up in, in whatever world we're living in, in, in weeks, months, years, which one would you prefer personally? And then which one do you think would be the choice logically? Uh, the answer number one is first train smoking out of the ACC <laughs> is the one I would be on. Uh, uh, that's great. Uh, the, the, the second question is, you know, I, I used to would make the argument that, uh, and, and I think I've argued both sides of this question multiple times uh to myself internally um the sec kind of sort of seems like a uh more of a cultural fit for north carolina uh travel away um uh probably baton rouge in Nor november is a little bit more pleasant than wisconsin in november um and more suitable for UNC fans travel wise. Um, and those things come into play. That would be a, um, couple of the factors people would look at as far as the SEC goes. Um, but you know, I, I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, college football fans are college football fans and, uh, every university that, you know, plays that, uh, the power five level, you know, or anywhere else actually has a segment of fans, you know, 
I wouldn't let them on my yard, much less let them in my house. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's that for every school. So you're going to have to put up with that wherever you go. And I don't know that the fans, the worst fans of the SEC are any worse than the worst fans of the Big Ten. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, it's academically, I, I, you know, obviously you would prefer from an academic standpoint, you prefer the Big Ten. But, you know, at, at this point, North Carolina – if they ever do, however, this falls out, plays out, they get around the grant of rights, things are moving, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if they get two offers, one offer is going to be better than the other. It's going to offer some sort of perk, some sort of benefit, some sort of uh, advantage over the other conference. And, and I think you look at that contractually. Um, and make a decision from a football perspective, strictly the big 10, I think would be a better place to be because I think North Carolina would spend a lot of years, just like South Carolina spent, uh, being humbled, uh, in the sec and hurts me to say that, but I believe that to be true. Uh, so you willing to go through that? That's the big price to pay. I, uh, that that segment right there is going to be highlighted when this podcast is all said and done. So, Greg, you got a lot to live up to on your last words. Uh, preferred, personally, um, what you think logically, um, and if you can answer it as well as Buck, um, you're doing a lot. Because I don't know if the last train smoking or the first train smoking um, has too many seats on it. What's up? Yeah, so I'll take it in a different direction, Tommy. I agree <laughs> with Buck. I, I think you – we're, we're kind of guessing right now. And I think you have to take, take into account the, the cultural aspect, uh, but money is going to rule the day. And I think whichever is the best offer. Um, and you know, if you've got to placate some of the academics then maybe the big 10 is the obvious answer, but we won't know until we, we hear some of the numbers. I will say this though. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I think this is a two part deal. I, I think right now the SEC and big 10 are consolidating power. I hope there are some forward-thinking people making these decisions because when all the TV deals are ready to be blown up and the, S the NCAA is removed from the picture, hopefully by 2026-27, I hope they scrap the ideas of conferences altogether. I think there is an opportunity to say, hey, we've got 40 athletic departments that are the best in the country, 48 if you want to go making an even fair number. Um, and these are the programs from a football perspective that are going to be not the minor leagues, but essentially the minor leagues of, of football. And if you do that, you can really configure scheduling. You can configure divisions in a sensible manner so that you, you have some of those old SEC, you know, ACC, Mid-Atlantic ties, the Big Ten, Upper Midwest ties where a lot of those teams are playing one another, not too dissimilar from what the NFL does. Uh, but you can have them in different divisions, and you can play them in ways that make sense that funnel into a playoff. You know, if you've got six divisions across the country, you got a 12-team playoff or a 16-team playoff, it makes sense. You take the two best teams out of those divisions, there you go. And it's simple. 
But as we've learned, and, and Buck's talked about this a lot over the years, we've discussed it, the bowl system needs to be blown up. And this needed to have been blown up years ago. But we have clung to the bowl system, and it's archaic. It makes no sense. I mean, teams don't even want to go. Players don't even want to go to these things. Fans don't even show up anymore, unless it's the big ones. Well, so when they meant we... something, there was only 18 of them. Correct. Yeah. Right. And so we're, we're past it, but yet we're still dealing with it. So do they, do they carry that mindset forward of, well, we've, we've had the SEC forever. We've got to continue that pride and go ACC, and go SEC and all that stuff. Hopefully they're smart enough to move past that. And they just come up with a brand new plan, a brand new system, how to envision college football. And I think there's a, a great opportunity there. Um, and I know that kind of gets away from your question, but Buck answered the previous one so well. Uh, I, I think that's the next step is once Carolina gets to a different conference, which I think is the move to make, then five years down the road, you really be a pace setter, really kind of plan out how this should look so that's better for fans moving forward. 48 teams, 12-team divisions, north, south, east, and west divisions, yep. and then uh, run that into a playoff. I will guarantee that will not happen with the current power structure. <laughs> um, now, if, if, if some of the old, old folks move along in whatever ways are necessary, then maybe some forward thinkers, like you mentioned, will step up and um, we'll get somewhere. Guys, it's always been fun. Uh, but you nailed it right there at the end. That was hilarious. Um, great way to end the show. Greg Barnes, solid as always. Um, I'm just the host and luckily do it. Greg Barnes, Buck Sanders. I'm your host, Tommy Ash. This has been the Inside Carolina Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.